In the holy name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. From the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Go learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Just where is the school where we learn mercy, not sacrifice? Where is this place where mercy is studied, learned by heart, grafted into our very lives? Where do we travel? To what place or workshop or wilderness so that this lesson can be the foundation of our lives, the very shape of our discipleship? It is not so easy to answer such plain and deep questions. We all know that the world we live in is not such a school. I don't mean that our world is filled only with meanness or cruelty or petty rule-following, certainly not. I did actually meant that seriously. (laughs) It sounded rhetorical, didn't it? But how often that gentle dew from heaven has fallen upon our lives a terrible mistake forgiven, a delay met with patience and pardon, and offense treated with kindness, a loss restored and made good. These are the twice-blessed mercies of our lives, and they are small treasures showered on each one of us from time to time, by friends or family, by strangers and onlookers who are suddenly wonderfully kind, a small light shone on our path by the merciful who visit and guide us, even or especially when we do not deserve it. These small lessons in mercy we cannot predict or count on, but they arrive all the same by some hidden grace in our lives. They are traveling mercy to pilgrims. But they are not the regular rule of our lives. They are not ordinary or customary. Mercy is not the expected pattern of this world, its institutions, its practices, its ideals. In truth, we live in a human society like all others, and we have learned its lessons by heart. We have all come to desire sacrifice, not mercy. We have learned in our very bones how to measure ourselves and others by the company we keep. This is a particular kind of ritual, a form of holiness that is the internal measuring rod of good society. We all know how this works. 
and by late childhood we do not need to be instructed on its rules. We talk to the important, or the polished, or the likable, the thoughtful, the principled person in the room. And we slight those who cannot meet that measure, for they will embarrass us. They will defile us. We surround ourselves with the respectable members of our group, and we keep our eye out for the still more respectable, the more influential, the more successful member who might elevate our own stature, improve us, if only for a moment. We judge one another, our leaders most especially, for sitting at table with the defiled, with fools and failures in their careers, with the rich and despotic presidents of companies or countries, with those of abhorrent political and moral views, with wrongdoers, with priggish and sanctimonious do-gooders. We do not want to break bread with such as these, and we do not want to respect, we do not want those we respect and follow to do that either. It is an act of intimacy, after all, to share a table with another, to extend fellowship and hospitality to someone else, to nurture and care for them at their most basic need, their daily bread. To carry out that simple and deep act with a contemptible person is deeply defiling, a moral transgression that we do not forgive or forget. It is scandalous, and we question the judgment and the moral integrity of those who dare to laugh and converse and dine with the frankly unforgivable. We should not underestimate how shocking Jesus' practice was and is to us. We have all tried to listen to this teaching about mercy as if it taught us in secret to surround ourselves with people like us, or at least people we admire and are taught to admire. We console ourselves with the thought that Jesus actually meant we should break bread with other liberals, say, who are mocked by powerful conservatives, or with right-thinking conservatives whom liberals scorn, or someone on the margins of polite society we happen to admire, a real artist, we say to ourselves, or a representative of an oppressed group we are proud to support and fight for. This, we think, or silently hope, is the proper meaning of Jesus' stern lesson and shocking practice that we should be merciful to those we believe deserve it. Right. 
But we all know in our innermost heart that that is not in truth what our Lord means by this prophetic call. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He truly did eat with the reprobate, with extortionists and strong men, with plutocrats and rich bankers. He didn't do this as a great show of generosity or a pretense or a reluctant deed of piety, no. He accepted their invitations, he sat at their tables, he enjoyed their company, and went about in public with them. He did not leave their immorality alone any more than he does ours. No one is left unjudged, untransformed by life in his company. But he defiled himself all the same. Some of the Pharisees who also called disciples, also taught and observed the law of Israel were shocked by this, and they were right. It is a deeply shocking act by the Son of God. Mercy is profoundly revolutionary, a profoundly revolutionary offensive deed. And we have no school for it in this world, none at all. But Holy Scripture does. The prophet Hosea, whom Jesus quotes twice in one gospel, addressed himself directly to the people of God and to their priests. When we go to school on this prophet, we learn the particular will of Almighty God to turn away from idolatry, especially of the sanctity we imagine for ourselves, and practice instead God's own love, chesed, the loving kindness and mercy of the covenant God. But students of Hebrew will know the odd and shocking alternative translation of hesed. It also means shame and disgrace and reproach. This too is hesed, loving kindness, mercy. This is the school our Lord attended, the lesson he learned by heart and wills to teach us too to love kindness, to study mercy, is to risk everything. Our rules, our sense of honor, our pride, and our sanctity. It is to follow a dangerous God. And that is the grace of our lives, that we may go to school on Christ and learn of him. For he is the merciful one, the one who dares to love in this radical fashion, to love to the death. He, the defiled Holy One. May he, the shocking Lord, call us this day, as he called that tax gatherer Matthew long ago.
and may he give us grace, wherever it may lead, to stand up and, like that disciple and that sinner, follow. Amen.